0: Before we get to this week's episode, we wanna remind you that while this show will always be free, we also have a Patreon where you can get even more fandom, Visit patreon.com forward slash the fandom show where, for a few bucks a month, you can listen to episodes early. You can get random fandom mail from us. You can check out our nerds letter that we publish monthly. Or you can listen to our patron exclusive, The Fan Club, a podcast where we watch movies one of us loves and the other has never seen. This month, we watched In Bruges, which was Kaya's pick that I have never seen. And I will watch that movie over and over again that movie is freaking amazing uh we also shout you out on the podcast as part of it so we are so excited to welcome kevin Minchel, his rob and lisa to the fan club thank you so much for your support once more that's patreon.com forward slash the fandom show but you are already doing the most supportive thing which is listening so thank you so much and let's get to the episode
1: Hello, 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 and welcome to The Fandom Show, the podcast where we learn about fantastic fandoms by talking to our favorites about their favorites. I'm Kaya Green. And I am Stephanie Allen. And today we are talking about the spookiest family in the world and their
0: values. That's right, we're <laughs> talking about
1: Adam's family values. We're talking about a
0: sequel, baby. I know. Yeah. I, when we posted about this to get some hot takes, uh, someone on our Discord was like, a sequel as a fandom? And I still... A lot of my favorite movies are sequels, I'm realizing. Yes.
1: And uh, today we are just talking about this ourselves because this was Steph's pick for her fandom. Um, it is Steph's birthday coming up this week. Yes. Um, uh, at time of recording. recording. Yes. Um, and so, in retrospect, please wish Steph a happy birthday. But Thank you. Um, we wanted to uh, do something that was really special to her and, and Steph, also fit the theme of
0: the, the month. You that's know, true. It's got some Thanksgiving, it's got some Halloween vibes. Yeah, we're going for a theme. We're going for a theme. It's got musicals.
1: It 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 does have a musical <sighs> number in it. Several musical numbers, in fact.
0: Honestly, I like. Let's just dive into it. I cannot wait. I'm yeah. so excited. It, I'm not even going to ask you what you know about it because I know you also love this movie. Yeah, we
1: did watch it together the other night, so it feels like you maybe know what I know about
0: it. It's true. But I also said, don't talk to me about this movie. <laughs> That's we have true. to save it. <laughs> it's a
1: real tricky thing living with your partner and some, sometimes having to watch things for this podcast because we do often have to watch things and then quietly just Be like
0: and we did it. Moved. Write on. your notes down. Don't, don't say, say anything. anything.
1: Don't it, talk to me.
0: What if it's funny?
1: Shut <laughs> up. Shut up. <laughs> don't, don't you dare make a joke right now. <laughs> <laughs> we laugh, but this was a real conversation we had the other day. Yeah, this is, uh, it's real. Anyway, okay, Steph, your your uh, fandom, Adam's Family Values. Now, I want to preface this by saying I did say to you, Adams family? Question mark? And you said no. no Adams <laughs> family values only. Can you explain this choice?
0: Yes. So I, I think the Adams family in general is great. I, be, like, I'm a big fan of uh, something that is both kind of like uh, youthful and exciting uh, and a little bit. Um, a little bit, not too scary, but also that has a bit of a creepy edge to it. Like, it's part of why I love October, because everything's a bit creepy, but I don't have to get scared.
1: Right. You you like the the spooky, the The spooky kooky, ooky. Yeah. Mysterious, that kind of, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff that, you know, describes the atmosphere. Absolutely. <laughs> I don't remember the order they're supposed uh, to go in. <laughs>
0: creepy, kooky, uh, mysterious, spooky, altogether ooky. The Addams Family.
1: That was incredible. Well I, done.
0: I love The Addams Family, you but do. mostly valued. Um, <laughs> no. Uh, so, yeah, it's the aesthetic of it. I love that it's um, something that lives in that kind of scary Halloween realm, similar to Nightmare Before Christmas, where right. it's it touches on those themes without actually being inaccessible to people like me who have very low scare tolerance. Right.
1: So as the children would say, it's an aesthetic.
0: Yes, it is yeah. very aesthetic. It's
1: the the spooky aesthetic, but without being jump scareful.
0: Yeah, like how I love to refer to myself uh, jokingly as a Disney goth.
1: Yes, uh, it I is like very I
0: like the little creepiness, but I don't want you to scare me. Don't scare me, please. I cannot handle it. I will have nightmares. True story.
1: And it's one thing that's actually really lovely about the Adams family is that they're very nice. They just also kind of kill people. I don't I, really know how to square those two things now that I and say. And they it kill out loud. a lot of people. Yeah, sort like,
0: of. They refer to murdering a lot of people. Yeah, in this movie. Yeah, uh, and in general. Yeah, they're murderers. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, I don't um, think it's a maybe. We don't know the circumstances. At one point, they go, uh, "Oh, these two lady killers," and then Gomez said, "Acquitted." I mean he was acquitted Kaya, stuff. he says you it was don't such know pr- he... he says it was such pride that that guy murdered someone
1: it's hard to say but probably yeah that's the general concept they have deep comfort it.
0: with corpses yeah. being attached to cars yeah, you know totally um so um, the reason for Adams family values to get back to the question oh, you yeah, asked me that's right um is I think the Adams family movie uh, in the reboot uh, so obviously there's the original comic strip from The New Yorker yeah um, there's the TV show that took place in the 60s yeah uh, but this reiteration in the 90s of the the Adams family, I really, really got into, but I think the fact that Adams Family Values centered so much of the story around Wednesday Adams and Christina Ricci's character and portrayal specifically, yeah, is the thing that really, really got me hooked into it. You know, as a kid who went to summer camp but didn't quite fit in at summer camp, uh, wasn't quite the same as all the very privileged kids around me. Hmm. uh, That really connected hard.
1: I'm really seeing some
0: themes here. (laughs) Yeah, so I think it just, uh, it really spoke to me at the exact right age. And like, you know, Christina Ricci as Wednesday Adams was probably one of my earliest crushes. And one of the first times I realized that I might be... uh, A little difference than the other girls. Oh, I see. I might might have a little bit of a thing for a creepy little goth girl. Man, there's
1: like, it is such a classic queer thing to both desperately want to be and be with an individual. I could give
0: you a laundry list right now of the characters that I was like, wait, how do I feel about this character?
1: We simply don't have time.
0: Am I Rose Dawson or do I want Rose Dawson? Yeah. Anyway,
1: anyway, uh, that's for a Titanic episode that I very much look forward to oh in the future. Um, okay, so one thing I want to know very much is what? When did you come to this? How old were you? When, like, when did you discover this film?
0: I discovered it when it came out. It um, as soon as it came out, I was quick to rush into the theaters. Um, to make sure that I got to handle it, handle it, to make sure that I got, I couldn't handle it. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I had to make sure. Kidding. I had to make sure. What if something <laughs> happened? What if I missed it? Okay, and did, had you seen the first Addams Family? Of course, yes. Okay. I have seen the original Adams Family movie, uh, and again, original in big quotes, um, the Raul Julia, Mort- um, Angelica Houston uh Version that that sort of cast, which then yes. carried on to this one. Yes, all of them carried on, with the exception of the person who played uh, Granny, who was then replaced by Carol Kane.
1: Yeah, specifically because they thought she was too old for the physical comedy in this one.
0: Yes, yeah. it, there was a lot more there. Uh, and fun fact that Carol Kane was younger than Angelica Houston, um, who plays her daughter, who plays her daughter, sure. which is very fun.
1: Could you run us through just briefly the idea of the plot, the premise um for those of? you who listening who haven't seen it.
0: Absolutely. So we find ourselves uh, back joining the Adams family. Uh, the first shot of the movie is Uncle Fester played by Christopher Lloyd. Are we going to do this shot by shot? No, but this is important <laughs> because it sets up his his character's issue for the movie. He's howling at the moon. He's very sad. He's lonely. You know, he gets to watch his brother Gomez and his uh, sister-in-law Morticia just be so desperately in love all the time. And he's by himself. He's shy and awkward and he can't find love. Uh, so with his plot line, enter in uh, Debbie Jelinski who is played by Joan Cusack. Joan Cusack. Who, you know, if you haven't watched this movie and you're like, Joan Cusack, um, she is so sexy in this movie, like, in a way that I've never thought of her yeah. otherwise. Uh, like, she's a gorgeous woman, but never thought of her as, like, a voluptuous blonde bombshell. Well, she
1: plays high anxiety pretty friendly. Yeah. The, the I'd say a, a-, a Joan Cusack type is generally... Yeah, Very high strung.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. So to see her in this role where she's so grounded. Uh, anyway, she comes in because uh, Gomez and Morticia have a baby, a brand new baby named Pubert.
1: Pubert. Fun uh, fact, Pubert was originally actually going to be Pugsley's name.
0: Yep, but it was, the New Yorker was like, that's too much.
1: They were like, that is just the word puberty without the Y. Yeah, we so cannot that, do that. So he had
0: to change it. So in a nod to the original Charles Adams uh, comic Desires, they've named the baby Pubert. Um, so with pubert, uh, the two children, Wednesday, uh, and Pugsley do not like the baby classic new baby in the house situation. So they decide that in order to get them to stop trying to kill the baby, um, they hire a nanny enter Debbie. Debbie is a serial killer who targets rich men to take their money and murder them. Uh, so she needs to get rid of the kids because the kids are onto her. Kids go to summer camp (laughs) to a camp for the privileged, the privileged youth, Um, And antics ensue from there. Antics ensue from there, Um, basically. Yeah, that's the basic summary of the movie without me giving you shot by shot, which I want to. Yeah, I I can tell.
1: You're like, come on, let me get into act two. You don't even know. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, so... It is unusual generally to pick a sequel. What do you think makes this so special in a way that the the first one does, doesn't resonate with you? What's so excellent about this film that it's kind
0: of become a bit of a cult classic? It right? is. It actually performed worse than the original movie in theater. It so did. It, it, um, but what I think has made this so iconically uh, cult and beloved is the fact that you really get to – it's not just focused on primarily one character. The first movie is really Fester-specific, um, and I don't feel like you get to learn as much about the kids. I think uh, one of the things that they did in writing this one is they saw how good Christina Ricci was and like, we'd like to focus more on this character. Yeah, you can really tell. And so I think that made it a lot more accessible to people who were young at that time. It came out in 93, so I would have been 12 Um, which is, you know, you're targeting a younger audience who, you know, would have enjoyed that previous film when they were kids, uh, because it is more of a kids movie, but this one kind of ages a bit. The jokes are sharper. Yeah. They go a little harder. way more political. It's way more political, which at the time would have gone far over my head but in watching it you're like oh man you are really going after Reagan and the Republicans yeah. of the time you it, are not giving them any break yeah it's definitely a movie
1: that I think has aged so well in that respect and that
0: like I mean,
1: the concept of the Adams family has always been political. Like the whole premise of it was lambasting. Yep, the uh, (laughs) that word. Yeah,
0: Yeah. traditional family structure. Exactly.
1: Yeah, Uh, the whole keeping up with the Joneses idea. Yeah, uh, from the fifties.
0: But the idea that this family um, can keep all those like lovely family dynamics. They love each other so much. They're such a tight, caring family. Um, But they're weirdos. They're all weirdos, and I think that there's something so universal in all of us. I don't know anyone who lives their life thinking, yeah, my family's normal. My family absolutely has got it going on. (laughs) I love my family. I think my family's great, but tell me someone who doesn't think their family's a little weird.
1: Yeah, that's that's true. That it, I, I'd find that's more uncommon than the opposite. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: And so I think this skewing a little older in its comedy and in its um, approach, I think really made it a lot more accessible to people than people who might have written off the original one as a bit too family friendly. Right. They also had next to no borders with what they could do. Like back then they had a PG-13 rating, but they were like, Dropping babies off of roofs, trying to cut their heads off. Like, the things that they do to this baby. Oh, yeah. I hadn't thought about there's that. There's no way you could do that now. Yeah. You could never get away with any it, of that. It's funny, though, because that's a high-status baby. That's like, that, hi- <laughs> You cannot kill that baby. That baby is
1: so confident in its ability to stay alive. Like, it grabs a guillotine it grabs in a gu- two fingers at one point, and you're like, who is this child? Yeah, it
0: got <laughs> slingshot into the air, uh, up towards a plane, and it's just having a blast. It's just- Laughing and giggling, that baby cannot be messed with.
1: Yeah, no, it's that that baby is a rock star, and in fact, kind of ends up saving the day. <laughs> yes, yeah, absolutely. Uh, spoiler alert.
0: Spoil- sorry,
1: um, the Adams family don't die. That's <laughs> that's that's the spoiler. But can they? This is my question. Can they die? It's it's a really good. They have to be able to die because they're like family members have died, and, and they, they definitely, have a full
0: cemetery yes. of family members that have died. Yes, but, like Fester's not able to be killed in traditional death met methods. Yeah,
1: I don't know how that works exactly because he gets like full
0: blown up he gets blown up he gets uh, electrocuted we
1: know he has like electrical powers because you can put a I don't know if powers is the right word there but but electricity
0: is doesn't bug him
1: welcome to the Marvel Cinematic Universe (laughs) Fester Adams oh my god honestly now that I've said it aloud please someone do that I'm
0: here for it (laughs) Just yeah. put him in the background he can put a light bulb in his mouth and it lights up that's a thing exactly and he's had that like we Seen that in the first movie as well. Yeah. So, um <laughs> but like,
1: yeah, he gets full like many many bad things happen to him.
0: Yeah, and he doesn't die. They doesn't die. Neither does that baby.
1: Yeah, that baby keeps getting caught. Baby's invincible. Invincible baby. No one can hurt pervert. It's the baby pubert. from <laughs> it's a baby from the Incredibles.
0: Incredibles. Also. The the character design on that baby, like the little mustache on a baby, I know not everyone's a fan of it with the black hair and the mustache. I think it is the cutest baby I have maybe ever seen. Just a little tiny Gomez? Just a little tiny Gomez. Yeah. It's pretty
1: good. It's
0: pretty good. It's It's a good good. look. It's a good look. Um, Put a mustache on your baby.
1: Okay, speaking of this phenomenal baby, um, let's talk about this cast. Okay. Um, Because this is a pretty stacked cast. It is. It's like it's it's a pretty amazing group of people. Yeah. So walk us through this. Who are these characters? Like who who stands out for you? Maybe you don't have to do all of them, but who's your who's your favorite
0: character? It's really here? hard because literally almost all of them. Yeah, right? Like Morticia Adams is played by Angelica Houston, who apparently um they were thinking of having Cher for the role originally. Oh, baby, that would have been weird. And then Angelica <laughs> was like, well, I'm not. I'm, they're not going to pick me over Cher. But apparently she was always the person that they wanted in mind. They didn't want it to become about like a star vehicle. Yeah. So everyone's watching it to see Cher in a movie.
1: Oh, this would be a cult classic for a completely different reason. Absolutely. If it had been Cher.
0: <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so she plays Morticia Adams, the matriarch of the house. Uh, Gomez is played by Raul Julia. Um, who apparently two of the people that they almost cast for that as well. Kevin Klein, What? Was one of the people up for it. Really? And Robin Williams.
1: Oh, I kind of see that, but I don't know if it would have been... He's not... He's not I, suave enough. I, I feel like I just would have never been able to unsee the Robin Williams in that performance. Truly, truly. But I could be wrong. He's a phenomenal actor. Like, obviously, this is not me throwing shade on Robin Williams. Wow,
0: come for kind I of comments. I will
1: not, <laughs> please do not. I was sad for a week after he left us. Anyway, um, <laughs> don't get me going. <gasps> um, yeah, but I, I it, I guess I just can't unsee Raul Raul Julia. I think that's maybe the problem here.
0: Him and uh, he and Angelica Houston have the most incredible chemistry. And apparently that chemistry is real off-screen, too. Really? Uh, Angelica Houston also was married to uh, a person of Latinx descent, I believe, uh, and they would all hang out, and her husband and Raul Julia would just smoke cigars and talk in Spanish. And That's just, just
1: like, really actually the Adams family, though. It's, yeah.
0: It's, <laughs> like, what? It's lovely. That's incredible. Um, they do have very good chemistry, and yeah, their goals, let's be honest. Absolutely. They're perfect couple goals. They love each other so devotedly. Um, the only things that they pull their focus anywhere else are there other family members, yeah. truly. Like their love and passion. They're so passionate. They are so incredibly in love with each other all the time. And they can't do anything but express it in romantic languages and gestures of affection. Yeah.
1: Oh, can I also just before we move off Morticia,
0: the eye lighting. The, yeah, so apparently uh, I did I did learn that she requires that certain type of lighting for all of her films. What? Um, really? Not on her eyes, though, but for her face because she's had so many issues with people lighting her poorly in films that it's actually in her contracts. Really? That they have to light her with a specific type of lighting.
1: Good for her. Get a get girl.
0: Um, but then in this case, they did an envelope size over her eyes Incredible. just to add that extra effect. So if you watch this movie and you have not yet noticed um, because it's kind of a passive character thing they do for her, but her eyes are always brightly lit.
1: In every single Every single, single scene, shot. It Doesn't is,
0: matter outside, inside, yeah. night or day. Total,
1: un, totally unnatural lighting. Like, you're, you're like, where is that even coming from? Yeah. It's so funny. It's such a cool reference to like old filmmaking too and how they used to like in really emotional moments light up the actress's eyes yeah. in a very like specific way. Yeah. But the fact that it's a hard line it's makes it hard so Hard line top funny. and bottom just
0: the eye. Yeah. It's, it's like a comic panel.
1: It's incredible. I love it so much. And apparently it was really complicated to do.
0: Yes. Uh, So in reading, you know, a lot of the the behind the scenes of this movie, um, one of the biggest challenges that they had in this was they wanted such specific shots. They wanted such specific angles and lighting that it would hold up production quite a lot. And these actors are in these like... Very cumbersome costumes. Like Angela Houston was corseted at all yeah. times and she couldn't actually move her head to look from side to side oh, because well, it would mess sense. up her hair. Oh, that so makes she a had lot to like sense. fully turn from the waist for every single thing. So while well, they're getting these amazing shots, which play out so well in the movie. It is at the expense of those poor actors and wow. their, their costume.
1: I didn't know that. And you can really tell in the way it cuts together because it is stylized. It like, is stylized. like stylized it has got the pace of an Edgar Wright movie. Yeah, <laughs> that
0: is uh, director Barry Sonnenfeld, uh, who uh, also known just for funsies, just for funsies before we get sidetracked, uh, Men in Black. Yeah, He did Get Shorty. He did Wild Wild West. He did Pushing Daisies. (gasps) Did he now? He was the director of Pushing Daisies. That makes so much sense. And more recently, Schmigadoon.
1: Is that right? That is correct. The man loves the genre. Yeah, Back
0: Back for you. Back to characters. Uh, So Christopher Lloyd uh, plays Fester, um, who apparently one of the people that they were considering for this was Sir Anthony Hopkins in the role of Fester.
1: (laughs) I mean, I see it, but also... I'm so scared of him. It's it's such (laughs)
0: such an intense and different choice. Just,
1: I mean, he had been had he? Yeah, he would have been Hannibal by that point. This was ninety three. This was ninety three, and Lambs was ninety one. Yeah. So yeah, that would have been so weird to be like, haha, they're goofy and creepy. That guy eats people. (laughs) No, too much. It's
0: too much. A very intense choice. Um, But Christopher Lloyd was apparently a really huge fan of the comics uh, from The New Yorker. So uh, for him to get to play Fester was a huge moment. And at one point, he was worried that he had lost the role uh, because they brought him into a meeting. And sitting in that meeting was a guy who looked like Fester. Like he was a short, bald, squat man. And he was like, I've lost this job that they, they don't like me. Like, I've, I'm losing this character that I want to play so badly because Fester was his favorite character. Yeah. Um, turns out that they're just like, your prosthetics are taking away from your performance, and also this guy's going to be your stand-in if we need it. And he's like, oh, thank God.
1: Oh, my gosh. I can't, like, he looks like he's having the time of his life in this film. Like, Absolutely. he is chewing every piece of scenery he encounters. Absolutely. In the like, best way.
0: Not not my favorite character in the story at all by any means because there's just so many good performers. Um, but he does it perfectly. Oh,
1: he's so good.
0: He's just a little creep. I think he's too too much a little creepy for me. I'm just like, oh, Fester, you're you're a weirdo. He's gross. He's gross. He's a gross. He's dude. gross. That's you why like, he's
1: sweet. But he's sweet. Gross. He's gross.
0: Yeah. When yeah. he's like at he's at a dinner scene where there's a wonderful dinner scene uh, where he's on a double date and at one point uh, Debbie looks over and he's got two breadsticks shoved up his nose and he's like hey, hey, hey. <laughs> it's right. like oh god it's
1: such a fine balance to make a character kind of like ugh, like you can kind of feel Debbie's like like she's grossed. She's out by grossed him. out by him, and g- kind of for good reason. He's he's gross. He's gross. Um, but you also like him so much, because yeah. He's such
0: a puppy dog. He's an absolute Ugh. puppy dog. He's just a sweet little thing. Hard line to walk. Um, also a fun fact about the the costume that they put him in. So obviously he's wearing a fat suit. He's also six foot one, and he has to spend the whole movie with his knees bent. Oh my god! Because he's so much taller than everyone. So much effort. Um, but the fat suit that he wore was actually uh from The Godfather Part Two, another what? sequel. That uh, some say is better than the original. Oh my god! Yeah, it was Bruno Kirby's fat suit from who plays uh, young Clemenza. Okay, I, don't, I I don't remember that movie well enough. Yeah, but I don't. I I. It's been a while. Yeah, so that that fat suit has now been in two. Incredible sequels. Wow. Uh,
1: can't wait to see what the third is.
0: Uh, who knows? I i don't know if it has an IMDb page, but I'll try to find it.
1: You know what? They should absolutely have IMDb pages for just like random props. There
0: are props that show up in multiple things. Absolutely there are. Or like are. sound stages. Like I want to see all those sound stages, Wikipedia.
1: Absolutely. I can. There's one t-shirt that shows up in both Bring It On and Buffy.
0: What? Yeah. Very it's the cool. same
1: t-shirt. That's very fun. Yeah. Anyway. Um, the things I know for no reason. <laughs>
0: We all have those. That's that's the purpose of the show. That's the show. Um, So we have Christina Ricci. uh, She plays Wednesday Adams uh, perfectly. Oh, she's so perfect. Um, Carol Kane, who plays uh, Grandma. What a delight. Uh, Joan Cusack, as we mentioned, who plays uh, Debbie Jelinski. Just unreal, that performance. I think one of her best. It's... I mean, I don't think that there's a better performance from her. If there, if you think there is, listening, let us know. But it's just, it's so camp. It's hits so hard, and she does not let up. Like she is so over the top in every delivery. Truly, like one of my favorite villains in a movie. Oh, she's so good. Uh, We also have Jimmy Workman, uh, who plays Pugsley, Um, and then we get to the camp. The camp has Peter McNichol and Christine Baranski as the camp counselors. Is Peter
1: McNichol and Ally McBeal? I think so. Is that where I know him from?
0: I think so. I recall so. an era with The
1: Dancing Baby
0: where he was on TV a lot. Let's. I'm taking a look right now. Of oh, course. Oh, he's been in too many things. Christine Baranski. Oh, I mean, like, he's a character actor. He's
1: been in, like, a, a whole slew of stuff. Absolutely. But I think that's the one that I remember encountering him for. But Christine, Baran- Christine Baranski. Christine Baranski. A legend.
0: And just in classic Christine Baranski form.
1: Oh, so the both of them play are again look like they're having so much fun in
0: this I, film. Like imagine getting sent to a summer camp to play these over the top just just morons. M- morons, but also so saccharinely Oh, moronic. Ugh. Ugh. Like yeah. the entire vibe of this camp is like almost Children of the Corn. Like it's every blonde white woman that you could imagine from the early 90s.
1: Yeah, you know what? It's a, it's a thing with Christine Baranski in particular. Like another performance of hers that I love, this is not going to be a popular opinion I'm about to say, is um, How the Grinch Stole Christmas, where she plays the love interest who is just like so over the top perfect in a lot like it's it's a very funny performance and I kind of love when Christine Baranski has the chance to just like take the training wheels off. Well, it's like a Parker like, Posey. Just like go all out because you can see she, she's having so much fun. Yeah. Yes, exactly like Parker Posey. They can act. They can turn in a really mm-hmm. subtle performance. It's just so fun when they don't. Yeah, take, take
0: the training <laughs> wheels off. Let them ride and they will give you just the most brilliant fun.
1: I'm so sorry I referred to her serious performances as training wheels. That is in no way accurate. Wow.
0: <laughs> Christine Look, Baranski, I know you're listening and I'm uh, so sorry on behalf of Kaya. I'm uh, just, this this just talking. I'm just, I'm so I don't upset. have any Control over it. Um, okay. Also, what some, a cast. I do also just want to add in some notable cameos. Oh yeah. Some, oh, of course. So we have David Hyde Pierce as the delivery room doctor, which I didn't know until you pointed it out, which I think yep. is delightful. Yeah.
1: And this was just before Fraser, or like that year Fraser yeah. came
0: out. Uh, we have Cynthia Nixon as a potential babysitter who yep. comes in to interview for the job. Uh, Tony Shaloub as Jorge, who is a sailor in the bar with like Debbie. Like a hot second. Uh, and then we have Nathan Lane also as a desk sergeant. So yep. like these people, you're just like, wait, what? And. I'm like, I don't know if I knew who any of them were at the time. Probably not because I was 12. And but. I think
1: some of them were cameo cameos and others were just roles before they blew up or before they blew up, at least in film. Like, I know David Pierce had a career prior to. Yeah. Like, but, he was doing theater. But
0: not necessarily but, in pop culture exactly. where people would know who he is.
1: Yeah, because once he gets Frasier, you're like, he's not going to do the bit part in that movie. No, maybe, you're
0: maybe. going to see his face.
1: I guess he did Wet Hot American Summer. When was that? That would have been later.
0: Yeah, but he was a he was a full character at you're that right. point. that he was wasn't, not a bit part. He wasn't just eyeballs and a mask. <laughs>
1: you're, you're right, yes, he wasn't playing essentially an extra. Yeah, exactly. Okay, I retract my statement.
0: Yeah, so those are just some of the other notable folks that uh, show up in this movie.
1: Okay, so let's talk about some of your favorite moments because I feel like this thing is chock full of like big, dumb, memeable moments. It's like in some ways a series of sketches sort of sewn together with a pretty fun light plot. Yeah. What are some of the scenes that you think are just like the absolute best?
0: I, I truly, any scene that has Debbie or Wednesday in it is my favorite. It's most of the movie. (laughs) I know. That's why, it's a fandom. Uh, No, but like, uh, when they're, it's summer camp Wednesday and Amanda, uh, who is the, the kind of lead blonde kid. Played by? What's her Mercedes McNabb? Who also is in Buffy, Buffy. and Angel. and plays Harmony
1: in, yeah. uh, in Buffy.
0: Also, she was in the original Adams Family she movie, was. but just a very small part. And a completely unrelated character. Totally unrelated. So uh, it's a scene where they're lining up to do uh, diving. Uh, they're practicing saving people for swimming. Uh, and then Mercedes McNabb goes, uh, I'll be a victim. And Wednesday just goes, All your life. (laughs) Just just so, so brutal. (laughs) It's so brutal. And Wednesday drops these brutal burns like almost every scene she's in, just cutting down these kids. It's incredible. Um, And... you cannot talk about this movie without talking about the musical numbers. So uh, part of the show is uh, the show. The movie is they're doing uh, thanks the first Thanksgiving as a musical written by Gary Granger. Which I would
1: just love to say, Gary Granger being one of the camp counselors, but yeah. I would just love to say what an unhinged choice to do a Thanksgiving musical at a summer camp. It is upsetting. But also, is this movie a summer Thanksgiving and Halloween film?
0: I think they knew what they were doing. And they're like, we're going to corner <laughs> June straight through November, Three baby. Three of the four quadrants. Bam, 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 bam. <laughs> doing it, doing it. Doing it. Um, yeah, so they, they create this musical number. Um, the whole play uh, is about this first Thanksgiving. And uh, Wednesday plays Pocahontas. Uh, and uh, Heather plays um, Sarah uh, I forget her last name. Some
1: pilgrim. Sarah
0: Miller. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's sounds um, right. Who's the most beautiful pilgrim ever. Blech. Um So at the beginning of this musical, uh, they have an opening number called Eat Me, where all the different vegetables are running around wishing for you to eat them, starring Pugsley as the Thanksgiving turkey. Now, this number was choreographed by Adam Shankman, who went on to choreograph Step Up. Uh, the 2007 remake of Hairspray and the iconic, especially to us if you know us, Once More with Feeling, uh, which was the musical episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And he was actually so close to Sarah Michelle Geller that he officiated her wedding. What a
1: fun, weird. It's just like everything is weird. In everything, is, everything overlaps. Everything is just. Uh,
0: well, what and a time. Paul Rednick wrote the lyrics for it, but the musical. The music was written by the composer Mark Shaman, who did Catch Me If You Can and Hairspray. I love this. Like, it is choreographed by, like, really talented. It's created by this amazing cast. And it's literally just a bunch of stupid vegetables just uh a across the stage. Oh, it's very funny. And then Pugsley in a giant costume going,
1: eat me. This is such an iconic musical number. I have seen... Drag versions of it. What?
0: Yes. Oh my god. Yeah. <gasps> um.
1: I believe it was uh, uh Nikki Nazarelli who came on for our Drag Race episode. Who and Nikki, if you hear this, you can confirm or deny this. But he did do a one. Th- did, did a he did it. Yeah, with I think the the, um, the drag race costume uh, pageant that they were doing. Oh, at my, god.
0: Yeah. oh no, my god. Know what I mean. Yeah. Oh my god. Miss and Tango. Yeah. That's the one. yeah. Oh, my God. That's how iconic this is. Oh, it is absolutely just the most iconic musical number. So that there's no way to talk about this movie without talking about that. And then the follow-up scene, which is Wednesday. Uh, at this point, Wednesday has you know made everyone think that she's bought into the camp spirit uh, after they put them in the Harmony Hut and forced them to watch saccharine movies. Uh, so we think she's playing along, and then suddenly she goes on this incredible speech, a monologue about how... Uh, they have stolen the land that was rightfully theirs. Uh, and they've come to to scalp Sarah Miller and burn the village to the ground. It's, you know, just really pointing at all of these privileged people and the stuff that they have as a result of, Uh, oppressing the indigenous people.
1: Yeah, the camp itself is literally in the movie. This is a thing that we just noticed this time around. Uh, I think both of us commented that we hadn't noticed this.
0: They literally describe it as a camp for privileged children. The sign in the back says, Camp Chippewa, because you're better. Yeah,
1: it's very funny. It's like there's a lot of good subtle like background jokes Mm -hmm. that that really stand up to rewatch. But this scene in particular, I think, I would argue it's probably one of the reasons this movie has come back so many times Mm -hmm. that people have become so like enamored with with it is because that is a version of Thanksgiving that very few things have ever talked about.
0: Yeah. And like, to do that in popular culture in the early 90s and just be like, no, this is like, listen up, because I, I don't know about you, but when I was a kid, I didn't really know that much about it. Well, no. Every Thanksgiving episode of anything is just like, ha-ha, the
1: turkey went wrong. I Blah. love my family. Oh, by the
0: way, there was a genocide. Don't worry about it. No.
1: Like, like uh, it's it, this particular speech is just, like, so iconic for that. And I know it gets memed a ton on the yeah. internet.
0: Yeah, this movie, there are memes all over the place for it uh, to this day. Like, people still really connect with it. Uh, so it's... Uh, there's not a moment that isn't memeable in this movie. And obviously
1: we're not in a position because we are both, you know, white and settlers. um, But we're not in a position to say whether it's a good or accurate depiction. But I have, I did do a little research on this and quite a few people uh, have written about how affirming this scene was for them. Mm. Um, Seeing a version of Thanksgiving that was real to them, but wasn't real to most of pop culture. Um, Obviously I don't want to put any words in anybody's mouths, but yeah, that I think it is generally well liked as, as, a huge move for a mainstream movie to be like, fuck
0: Thanksgiving. <laughs> yeah, a PG thirteen summer movie yeah. to be like, fuck that. Yeah. You are murderers. But
1: this is why the Addams family is so awesome, because they can say things like that and they can like it they can do all of the things that were at the time considered abnormal.
0: Because and that, they have to. Yeah, because they're they're the weirdo family that doesn't fit in anywhere. We love it. We love it.
1: We love. We stand.
0: Uh, also, one other thing that uh, just a notable moment. So the Harmony Hut, again, I mentioned this a place that they have to go when they are not in the camp spirit. And there's this one-off gag uh, that involves a Michael Jackson poster. Oh, um, talk
1: about aging well.
0: Well, apparently, Michael Jackson wrote a song for the film and filmed a music video for it uh, called It's Scary. But after he was accused of uh, molesting children, uh, and as well as ongoing contract disputes, they cut it. They cut Michael Jackson from the film and added in that sight gag Whoa. about uh, Pugsley, I think it's Pugsley, screaming out a Michael Jackson poster and being terrified. Yeah. Uh, so it turns out uh, they were also uh, a bit ahead on the Michael Jackson jokes uh, about that. So, boy. Oh, boy. Boy, the Adams family.
1: It is sort of interesting what scares them. In this film, like as what scares an Adams, mm-hmm. you know, um, and I think it's such an interesting challenge, with the way they set up this plot. In that, how do you make an antagonist for a family that loves antagonism?
0: Blonde hair, blue eyed, kumbaya. Right, but like
1: I think the the funniest thing is like how do you set up people in opposition to them? How mm-hmm. do you genuinely endanger them? How do you put them in situations that are like challenging for them? And it's so fun to get to play with that sort of reverse.
0: Uh, that reverse narrative, especially again coming out of the '80s, the squeaky clean Reagan era, totally, uh, and just being like, "Nah, <laughs> we're different now. We don't like this. We're not part of that." Thank yeah. you so much.
1: I think it's very relatable for a lot of a lot of people, and I think it's why it's also so popular among like queer folk.
0: Yeah, I mean, and part of why I think that it's getting a renaissance right now. You know, with the the show Wednesday. Um, you know, there's animated movies coming out. Uh, I think Adam's family is really. Uh, really comes in a response uh, to some things that are happening socially Yeah, because we're looking for that opposite side. We're looking for a place where the quote-unquote others can belong yeah. and find happiness and family. And
1: it, Yeah, it is fascinating how much this has sort of uh, sustained over the years and where it's come back. Yeah. You're totally right. Yeah. I hadn't even thought about that. Yeah, because
0: we didn't have it really in the 80s, uh, the 70s, but the 60s we had it. And then I don't remember when the original cartoon started. I think it was –
1: I don't know about the cartoon, but I know that they had the TV show in the 60s and then they had another TV show very, very... um, short-running TV show on YTV called The New Adams Family.
0: Oh, and when that's, was that?
1: That's when I encountered them. I, that would have been in, like, the either very early 2000s or, like, end of the 90s when, like, a lot of kids' TV was airing creepy. Yeah. So, like, Goosebumps, Are You for the Dark, like, uh, Big Wolf on Campus. This was just all the stuff I watched yeah. when I was a kid. And, yeah, they had A New Addams Family, and that's where I got into them. I was obsessed with mm. that show. Interesting. Anyway, it, they, they've existed for a long time, and yep. for some reason, they just never stop getting any less relevant.
0: Yep. I mean, we all need a place to belong. Yeah. And if you don't belong with those uh, bright-eyed blonde uh, camp folks, where do you belong?
1: Um, speaking of that, uh, I we need to talk about this ending and Debbie Jelinski's big monologue, because I know this has a special place in your heart.
0: Look, have I used this monologue to audition for a musical before? Yes. Her talking about just, it starts with her basically doing a slideshow for the Adams to talk about why she's so hard done by, why she's had to kill. Uh, reason number one she had to kill, she got, she wanted a ballerina Barbie. And instead, she got a Malibu Barbie. She was not, that's not who she was. She was a she was a ballerina, you know, poised, delicate. You we're literally just doing the model. No, I mean <laughs> part of it. Um, so she killed her parents because they got her the wrong Barbie. Yeah,
1: she which k- again, such a comment on 80s mass consumerism. Also, why does she have
0: a slideshow of it?
1: I love her. There are, I love her. I, she's we stand, but I love so much when you watch the slideshow. There are pictures of like her uh, about a, a guy with a the shadow of an axe, and I was like, did you take that picture? Absolutely. She's while pre you Instagram. She
0: knows what she wants to put out in the world.
1: Pixar it didn't happen
0: honestly picture
1: he didn't die but also isn't that
0: evidence why do you have this um, <laughs> and on a readily available slideshow truly like you must carry these in your purse she had to have it's not like she prepared this where would she have got like how did she just have a slide projector we, we love a prepared queen <laughs> uh, also in this entire monologue she's going on about how hard her life is how she's never fit in how it's been so difficult and the adams are like we get it, girl. That's yeah, hard. Yeah, man, you're, that's hard. We accept you. And just like, they're about to be killed by this woman. And they're like, mm-hmm. we get it. We're yeah. on your side. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can't kill an Adam. You're
1: right. It, you can't You can't get them down.
0: No. The uh, only thing that upsets them in the entire film is
1: when Fester gets separated from them.
0: Yeah, and their baby turns out to be blonde-haired, blue eyes, because that's the sickness that the baby got because of the stress in the family. Oh. And she has to read, Marticia has to read it, The Cat in the Hat. Honestly dying of doing it. The
1: scene underrated the scene of Angelica Houston reading Cat in the Hat and then flipping to the (laughs) end and going, Oh no, he lives. It's so good. The one letters in this movie are unparalleled. (laughs) It's oh God. It's It's so quotable. It's It's unbelievable. Um, Okay, cool. So I have to ask, because with this renaissance, what do you think of, uh, you know, the new version of Wednesday, the Jenny Ortega version? How did you feel about that? I know that's not what this podcast is about, but I feel like Wednesday is sort of a big crux of why you love this so much.
0: Absolutely. Uh, I think, I think Jenny, I mean, it's not for me. She's not my Wednesday. She'll never be my Wednesday. No one can replace my Wednesday. But I think she does a great job. I think the show is really fun. I think it's introducing a character that is very beloved to a different generation who might not have watched the old movies. Hopefully it brings them into the old movies. Uh, Christina Ricci does appear, which is lovely. So lovely. Very lovely to have her there. Almost a
1: spoiler. She's too famous for that show. Right? (laughs) Uh,
0: I think um, having Catherine Zeta-Jones as Morticia. uh,
1: Uh, she, She doesn't seem happy to be there.
0: I just don't. It's so hard to recreate the chemistry that uh, Raul Julia and Angelica Houston had, that it's, again, it'll never be my Morticia and Gomez, but perhaps for the next generation it can be. Maybe. I love that uh, they've chosen to portray her as uh, Latinx. I think that that's really cool because technically, uh, you know, Raul Julia uh, is Latinx, so it's lovely to have that continue on and kind of speaks further to why... They are so often othered mm-hmm. because they're a family of color uh, in traditionally very white uh, situations. Oh, yeah. There's
1: lots of layers there yeah. for sure.
0: Um, yeah. I thought it was a lot of fun. I don't think – you know, I'll keep watching it. I don't think – I'm not hungering for yeah, it. Yeah. But, but I it think was it was a
1: pleasant time.
0: Yeah. yeah, Should Wednesday have been queer in that one? I think so.
1: I also like. It, truly, my only problem with the show is that she fit in too well at that school. Yeah, like
0: when you send an Adams
1: to a like dark, creepy school, you you miss sort of the fun of the Adams family. Yeah, it's which the is fish out of water. Exactly. That's always the fun part. And like, yeah, they gave her a peppy roommate, but the roommate's still a werewolf. Like, you know, yeah, it, you you're, you're kind of you're kind of missing what's delightful about this. Yeah, is
0: that seeing them interact with the outside world, seeing them interact with people who look at them like, what the
1: fuck? Yeah, you're not an outsider at a place that has vampires. Yeah. So <laughs> that's,
0: that's not, you, you're missing it. Yeah, and I feel like um, they didn't go deep enough with the character. Like, you're spending so much time on this one character that to have that character just do dry one-liners doesn't necessarily, like, it works really well in the context of the movie because you're not spending all your time on Wednesday. Yeah. So she gets to come in like, give a punch get out whereas yeah. this one it's a bit hard to sustain that it is true
1: that the the Adams family really never has character development like that's mm-hmm. that's not what this movie does the characters yeah. aren't that radically different it's from like the beginning Charlie of it's like watching Charlie Brown the and the being
0: like why doesn't Charlie get less depressed like he can't that's just who Charlie Brown is
1: yeah he needs a therapist
0: yeah Linus can't get rid of his blanket that's who he is it's Yeah, same with the they're Simpsons cartoons. yeah they're cartoons they sit in that arrested development forever yeah. because that's it, that's you don't want to watch them grow up. Yeah. You're not looking for that. So to try to put character growth in there, like you can have a little bit, but it is a bit strange to try to. Make yeah. that your main focus and try to have a narrative in that fashion.
1: Yeah, and they do make it work really well in the movie,
0: mm-hmm. where it's
1: it, it feels like they're moving forward and some things change, but not much. Not, At the end of
0: the day, they're still kind of themselves. They just have a couple new people hanging out with yeah, them. Yeah,
1: one hundred percent. Okay, so what's the nerdiest thing you've done in relation to this fandom?
0: Oh God, so like I don't think I've done anything nerdy in relation to it yet. Like, do I have to go get a tattoo? What's going on? No, I, you
1: don't have to. I have to a do Wednesday
0: anything. sticker on my laptop. Yeah. It's very exciting of her drinking poison. I would
1: say the nerdiest thing I've seen you do in relation to this fandom is bring it up in every possible circumstance that Christina Ricci could possibly. Absolutely.
0: Be up. Absolutely. Oh, I love her so much. I, I guess know. being queer is the nerdiest thing I've done in relation to this fandom. It's just like <laughs> seeing her and be like, uh-huh. I guess that's real. <laughs>
1: Is that, yeah.
0: Sure, yeah. sure. I'm not going to argue with your Let's experience. Go That's for totally it. how it works. No, I, I don't <laughs> think there's anything specifically that I've done in relation to this fandom. That's not to say I won't, but just Ooh, is that a
1: threat? Maybe.
0: <laughs> Maybe it's <like> a
1: <laughs> Watch out. Watch out. Watch this space for future oh weird Oh, God. <laughs> okay, cool. Um, so we're going to move on to our hot takes in just a moment. But before we do that, this episode is brought to you by tpublic.com, where you can find your next favorite yes, T-shirt. You can. We love Tea public Tea public has a unique and nerdy set of designs made by independent artists, and you can get them on basically anything you could ever imagine. You can get them on t shirts, you can get them on tank tops, hoodies, mugs, stickers, you can get wall art, you can get fo- phone cases. It's amazing. Um, not only do you have all of those options, but there are so many incredible designs that there's no way you're gonna go to this website and find and not find something that you absolutely love.
0: Absolutely. Uh, You can, uh, a fun thing that I just discovered is you can also upload your own design. So if you're like, I made a cool thing and I want that thing on a t-shirt or on a magnet or on whatever, you can just do that. You can upload your design, get it printed on anything you want. We love their shirts. We have so many shirts from TeePublic. It's It's true. It's a bit wild. And we always get complimented on them, which I Love
1: Absolutely. And Uh, you can customize your size, your color, your fabric, anything that you want to customize on it. Yeah. And
0: all designs are made by indie artists and they get paid for their work. They get paid fairly. So when you buy a shirt from RT Public Store, you're supporting an indie artist as well as the podcast. We put up t-shirts based on every topic that we cover on this podcast so that you can wear your fandom with pride. Uh, And talk, you know, talk about the things you love by showing the things you love on your chest. So head on over to tpublic.thefandomshow.com to check out all our merch and favorite designs from TeePublic. That's tpublic.thefandomshow.com. And thank you so much, TeePublic, for your support. Thank
1: you, TeePublic. Woo! Okay, let's talk about some hot takes re-Adams Family. Okay, how about this? The Adams family are the perfect family and should be looked up to.
0: This is submitted by a friend of the podcast, Karen Milton, who did a wonderful Adams family uh, photo shoot with her family it's uh, years ago. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic. She makes a perfect Morticia. Uh, they are the perfect family. I think that they are like we talked about their goals, their the love that they share with each other, the protection that they offer their family. Like they will do anything for their family members. They don't always get along. Do not get me wrong. They fight, but they love each other so much and they're willing to accept outsiders into their family. They're kind to everyone they meet. They give them the benefit of the doubt off the bat, they don't yeah. come out aggressive against them. Uh, they're always trying to be friendly, but also so true to themselves at all points in time. Yeah,
1: they genuinely are sort of the perfect family. They really are. And it's so joyful to, yeah, I just love it. I love it as a concept. It works so well, and nothing has ever done it quite as well as this has.
0: No, and specifically this specific family dynamic in these movies.
1: Yes. They nail okay. it. Absolutely. How about this? Too much focus on Fester. They should have let someone else take center stage this time. Agreed. Agreed. The, the first movie is very Fester-heavy. Yeah, the
0: first movie is all about um, they are their brother Fester has gone missing. They haven't found him in years. And then a woman comes in and is trying to steal money from them using her son, uh, quote-unquote son, who, spoiler alert, turns out to be Fester. Um, but it's, it is all about him finding the family, getting back in the family. Um, and then this one to do a really heavy Fester storyline. Again, it's... It's hard because with Gomez and Morticia there's no conflict. That's exactly what I was gonna say. Yeah. Like I just don't I understand think you can why do anything with I, them. What's what's Lurch doing?
1: What's Lurch Justice for Lurch? Justice for Lurch? Lurch. What about Thing? To?
0: What's he up to? You know,
1: Thing gets a lot of playtime, I think.
0: What about Granny? What's her social life? That's a very does good question. Does she
1: date? I would love to know.
0: Because she clearly had she a baby. Does. She had a baby, so she at some point had uh, the assistance Absolutely. of a man. Yeah.
1: The assistance? I don't want to presume.
0: <laughs> look, I'm not presuming that she was in love with a man. You don't
1: know. I mean, I she's don't know. definitely a witch. She could have summoned it.
0: So that's what I'm saying. There are other family members who don't have that, like, weighted debt, like... The non-changing dynamic that can happen.
1: I love this fan fiction we are quietly writing <laughs> for, for the grandma. Okay, um, how about this? I give one. Uh, I give this one an extra half star for Raul
0: Julia's mustache. So this is from Rotten Tomatoes. Fantastic. <laughs> um, I picked this one um, because you. Not only is he pulling off the mustache, not only is Baby Pubert pulling off that mustache, Wednesday's boyfriend Joel shows up with the mustache at the end. Is that a little creepy? Yes. Is it creepy that her boyfriend now looks exactly like her dad and she kind of looks exactly like her mom? Yes. Do they all look good in the mustache?
1: Yes. The mustache. It's universal.
0: That mustache, that John Waters style pencil thin mustache. We love it. Ooh, we
1: love we it. We love it. It looks great on John Waters. It looks great on them. It looks great on everybody. Kaya? Yep. Yeah?
0: I'm going home and drawing a mustache on.
1: Them. Fantastic. I can't wait. Um, all right. How about this? This is from uh, an old review, I believe, from Derek Malcolm at The Guardian. Um, the result, if you've seen the first effort, is utterly predictable through, since the, throughout, since the whole conception is stimulated by the fact that this is a black comedy designed for a PG certificate, and thus only a very pale shade of gray.
0: Derek Malcolm... You're looking too surface level, buddy.
1: Getting get revenge on this very old review. <laughs>
0: Derek, well, the thing is, finding hot takes about <laughs> this movie is hard. Well, yeah, because it's kind of like beloved now. It's so beloved. It's really hard to find people Anybody who hate who this movie. Anybody who thinks about it. Especially now. Like back it. then, potentially, it might not have gotten such a warm reception as like we mentioned. It totally. It didn't come out as hot as the first one. But Derek is just looking at the surface level of this. You know, I they do some pretty dark jokes in this movie. Oh, they do. Like, it's, again, a lot of talk about murder, a lot of talk about um, the various ways that they're going to murder and dismember people. I think for a PG-13 certificate, they get pretty freaking dark.
1: Yeah, and you know what? I will say that I wonder if this is one of those movies that actually improves with time, not just because of the themes, but because it has so much rewatch value that, like, it would be so easy to miss a bunch of those jokes.
0: It's making jokes about, you know, a child molester. It's like it. They had to add in a scene. You mentioned this. They had to add in a scene where they proved that Wednesday didn't kill a girl at camp by burning her alive.
1: Yeah, the scene where uh, the baby uh, pubert gets tossed into the air. You know, however many thirty thousand feet or whatever, um, and you see it the, through a window of the plane. And in the plane are the family from the camp. The reason that exists is because test audience was audiences were like, "Did Wednesday kill a girl?"
0: I mean, I kind of wish that they would have left that open, but that's fine. I see why they didn't. I see why they, they didn't. They don't want little kids being like, yeah, let's burn, burn the person I don't like at the day. Yeah, but I think it really does have that, you know, 90s, 80s uh, PG certificate where I think that meant something very different at the time. It really did. I don't think you could put most of that content in a movie these days.
1: A lot of producers were on like a lot of cocaine
0: yeah and everyone was like yeah man do it i don't care yeah why not let's try dark let's let's see who stops us and the director and the writer were quoted as being like he went home one day and was like i just tossed a baby off a roof and no one said anything Like, they could get away with it. So, like, if you're thinking that that's too gray, uh, as opposed to dark comedy, like, I don't know what movie you're watching. It's pretty dark. Yeah, no, I'll give you that. That's really good. Um, okay, how about
1: this? Um, like the first of the Adams Chronicles, this is an essentially lazy movie, too often settling for easy gags and special effects that don't come to any really funny point.
0: I feel like... This movie does a really great job of pacing itself. I feel like it, it delivers a lot of jokes per minute, Yes, definitely. but I don't feel like they're hammy. Like, it's very rarely—
1: I mean, some of them are very hammy. All the fester
0: ones are pretty hammy. <laughs> but I feel like there are a lot of really sharp jokes in this movie and a lot of sharp commentary in this movie that I don't feel like you can—I don't know that you can qualify the whole movie as a bunch of easy gags. Um, special effects? yeah, Sure. I, yeah. I I don't know how many there really are in it other than mostly relating to trying to kill a baby. Um but I feel like this movie is hilarious. It's a laugh out loud movie. Uh Richard from Time Magazine go out more. C- c- go out more. <laughs> Just go out more. <laughs> <laughs> go the world is full of of joy and you can find it. I mean, I can really see why somebody
1: watching this back in the day would have been like, "Eh, it's fine."
0: Yeah, I I I can definitely I mean, I'm of the opinion that not everything's for everyone. Yeah, that's true. You can watch a thing that one person likes another person doesn't like and that's fine. You're not wrong because that's your experience of it. If you're trying to ask me if I share that opinion... No, yeah, totally. I think that that's you know, I think it's a lazy opinion to be like, well, this creepy family is too many little, uh, little easy gags. It's like, great, okay. So was the original. So was the TV show. Yeah, I like, kind of like
1: the easy gags. I mean, I just don't think easy gags are always bad as long as they're smart. And yes, Easy. You yes. know, I don't feel like it. It it stoops too low in terms of dumb humor. I think that there's there's some really smart jokes in there. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. Okay. So. Last but not least. I think I know what you're going to say to this. The mustache on the baby was dumb.
0: Wrong. Wrong. You're wrong. Absolutely wrong. That, that mustache on that baby makes, I think the fact that they have put, you know, the black hair on the baby, they colored in the eyebrows a bit more. Babies yeah. have faces move so expressingly. Like they're constantly moving their faces that having those different accentuated points, I think really helps characterize the baby a lot more. It gives it more of a, Almost relatable personality in that way, like because you can see expressions in a way that you. Babies are usually really pale, pale eyebrows. I
1: love that you're really justifying this mustache.
0: It's my favorite, Steph.
1: You can just say it's your favorite baby. You it's, have a favorite baby, and it's this baby. But what
0: if my friends listen and they get mad that it's not their baby? Well, their babies should have mustaches, then. I guess that's true. I did put a mustache on a friend's baby for a photo, and it
1: <laughs> ma- it was really good. More babies with mustaches. I'm on board. Uh, We all stand by it. Do we need to have
0: a baby to have a mustache? I don't
1: know. No, we don't. That is a terrible... (laughs) No one have a baby just for a mustache. Okay. Borrow someone else's. We'll talk about it. Okay. (laughs) Steph, do you have a hot take that you would like to add to this?
0: My hottest take on this is just my deep regret that they never got a third movie.
1: Yeah, and why is that again?
0: Uh... I don't know. They did make a third movie, but they recast everyone. I assume that at that point they had become too popular. Obviously, Raul Julia passed away shortly after this movie. Yeah, and it's really hard to recreate that dynamic by popping in. Like You can pop in a new granny. I think that she's a side enough character that you can pop her in, and it doesn't change the dynamic of the film. But Gomez. But Gomez. Gomez. Yeah, it's... um, You can't. Also, I just need to share a quick story about Raul Julia before we go, because I learned this today, and I screamed in our house. That's true. I can confirm that. So apparently, while filming this movie, Raul Julia was partying with uh, some rock star. They didn't say who in this article, but he was out partying with a rock star one night at a bar, and his eyeball fell out of his head. Like, very literally, eyeball popped out. He apparently just... Popped it back in and went to work the next day. And they're like, oh, your eye's really bloodshot. What happened? He's like, my eyeball fell out last night. They're like, can you see? He's like, kind of. Uh, then they just kept filming.
1: Like, on one hand, I'm like, can you imagine your eye falling out and you just going about your day? But then on the other hand, I'm like, what else do you do? Just sit and stare at the wall and think my eyeball popped out? You got to keep going.
0: I, uh, like, but like, how do you just How do you go that? on with an eyeball that popped like I feel like that would haunt me every thinking. I'd be like my eyeball is going to fall out any second.
1: Grab your own eyeball and put it back I in your I assume
0: there was a again the time period I assume there was a lot of drugs involved. There must have been right? Because if my eyeball fell on my head you are not seeing me for weeks. I am just gone. <laughs> I'm I'm I am lost. I am traumatized. I am <laughs> at a walk-in mental health facility just screaming.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because totally. I don't
0: think I could not recover. You know what that is? That's an atom Adam's
1: ass story. That's an Adam's ass story. That's a thing that would happen to Gomez. Gomez Adams. would lose an eyeball, pop it back in, and be
0: like, let's ah, get to work. Tuesday. Oh my um, God. <laughs>
1: okay. At the end of every episode, we like to share our micro fandoms of the week, which we will do in just a moment. But before we do, here are some of the other ways to connect with us. You can find us on social media at Fandom Show Pod or at our website, thefandomshow.com. Um, please tell all of your nerdiest friends about us. And please, if you can get on your podcast provider of choice, we love Apple Podcasts. But You can go to whatever one you want um, and do a little rate, review, and subscribe. They are super, super helpful, all three of those things, um, to help us move up in the charts so more people can get a load of some fantastic fandoms. Um, so even a one-sentence review, a one-word review helps us move up in the charts. and Ryle
0: Julia's eyeball.
1: That's right. Just as to say, I learned about Ryle Julia's rogue eyeball um, or something. You you don't have to write that. You can write a thing that really means something to you. Uh, <laughs> and uh, if, if you do that it means we can grow more fans of fans and we can cover even more topics which is
0: the goal uh, we also have merch so if you head on over to tpublic.thefandomshow.com you can snag our little faces on your favorite things like shirts mugs magnets hoodies I don't know you can have our faces on anything you want you can also come join us for some discussion at the, on the From Superheroes Discord where you can meet other fans or you can hit us up directly and finally our theme song is by Yusu Kim and our logo is by John Blair. So now our micro of the week. Kaya, what are you fanning out over? I have
1: a strong feeling I'm about to beat you to this one. Oh, no. It's Taskmaster. Okay, okay.
0: No, you're fine. You're no, fine. Okay, you're we're fine, good. You're okay,
1: because we've been watching a lot of Taskmaster, um, and I know we've just recently done an episode on this. You know why um, we're watching a lot of Taskmaster? It's because, we, because recently we recently did, did an, an episode, episode
0: on, on this. <laughs>
1: we we really aren't messing around when we say we really are interested in all of these fandoms. Like, we we want to be fans of more things. Oh, my God. Um, and Taskmaster has just grabbed me by the head and shook me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. I, I just, it's... It, it is such a brilliantly designed show, and I get really nerdy about the design of things, but the way this show is set up is so perfectly entertaining. I want to play it so bad. It is It is very much that thing of you watch it, and you have to think to yourself, what would I do? <sighs> oh, um, and But watching the comedians do it, it's like, basically the point of the show is, hey, watch people
0: think, but... People think differently. They think so differently, and they solve problems differently. Oh my gosh! And, Some of the choices they make are chaos,
1: and there's rarely a right or wrong answer. There's just the answer that you did, yeah. and it's absolute chaos. It, the point, the the way they award points, kind of has a very like, whose line is it anyway? Element of they do matter, but do they? You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, just everything about it is giving me so much joy right now. So Taskmaster, you, you got to go watch it. You it's all on
0: YouTube. And for this season, for those uh, listening in Canada, they have just decided, I think it's North America in general, actually, the day after it airs in the UK, it will now be available on the Taskmaster YouTube. So oh, you can watch it almost in real time.
1: Truly so delightful. You got to check out but this show. We have show. too much
0: to catch up on to watch it in real time yet, but we'll get there. No,
1: one, one day. Great. If we could catch up on Baking Show, we'll, we, we can catch up on this. Absolutely. Cannot wait. And Steph, what is your fandom, micro fandom for this week? I have nothing.
0: It is a a short series. It's six episodes long on Craven Canada. I'm not sure where it's showing anywhere else, Um, but it is the story of comedian Carolyn Taylor and her ongoing obsession with uh, the 1988 Calgary Winter Olympics, specifically figure skating. And in her mind, she's made up... um, what she thinks a perfect uh, a perfect choreography to the Whitney Houston song I Have Nothing.
1: She feels like the, the it came on the radio one day and she could just see this choreography. She just she, it. she it moved through her. And
0: she's been doing it in her stand up for years and in this show she is given the opportunity to try to make her vision a reality. She has no figure skating experience. No choreography choreography experience. experience. These are just moves that she does on stage with her body in chaotic ways. And this, I don't want to tell you anything about it other than if you like underdog sports stories, this is one. If you like figure skating, you'll love it. If you just like watching somebody try to do something that they've never done With nothing but just hope in their heart and zero plan, (laughs) yeah, (laughs) this is for you. I like it's just such a delightful story. Uh, Part of it is her trying to get the rights to the songs to even be able to do this, to get skaters who will agree to do this chaotic thing. Oh my God, Carolyn Taylor,
1: come on our show and talk to us about figure skating.
0: Oh my gosh, we I don't know her, but I'm gonna try. Because Excellent. it's absolutely watch this space. Watch this space. <laughs> I feel like I've said that so many times today. Watch um, this space. It
1: is. It is a terrific show. It's Highly a, recommend. If nothing else, watch it for just the the lo- most lovely collection of Canadian icons.
0: It's truly <laughs> so beautiful. So check it out on Crave in Canada, or if uh, you're not in Canada, uh, you'll find it. <laughs> Good, nice. Um, and hey, May Martin's in both. May Martin's in. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah. We we love May Martin. We stand we
1: stand May Martin. May Martin, come on the show. Come on the show. Talk, talk to about us about something. something. I know you're about it's escape fan. rooms. Oh yeah. Uh, anyway, um, <laughs> we don't, don't want to put words in May Martin's mouth. Call um, us. Okay. Anyway, thank you so much, Steph, for thank sharing you, your fandom Kaya, for sharing it with me. I love it. Um, Where can people find us? We said that earlier. Here, so so on our podcast. podcast. Keep on listening. Keep on loving the things you love. Uh, Till next time, you love those things you love, and tell everyone about them.
0: Bye. Bye.
1: The Phantom Show. The Phantom Show is produced by Andrew Ivamy as part of the From Superheroes Network. For more great podcasts like this, as well as web comics, articles, and so much more, visit FromSuperheroes.com.